I don't know exactly what you're talking about, Austin. I think people are jumping up and down wherever they are, right? Are you ready to study God's Word today? Hey, I want to ask you, if you're an adult out there, I want you to think back to your childhood. Now, now for some, that's a long, long time ago. Uh, For others, maybe not so long ago, depending upon your age. But I want you to think about when you were a child, that there's this question that adults often ask. Have you ever seen this where, where as, as adults so often will we'll lean down and ask a child this question? Hey, kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? Do you remember the answer to that question? I, I, I know for me, I know exactly what I said when I was a child. Oh, it, it was easy. When I was a little boy, I knew that when I grew up, I wanted to be a what? A truck driver. Come on now. 18 wheeling, baby. Riding down the road. King of the road. In fact, my life was unduly influenced by Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, Eastbound and down, loaded up in trucking. We're going to do what they say can be done. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. We're eastbound. Old Bandit's on the run. Come on now. Okay, I know, maybe you're not as weird as me, but I I bet some of you remember when you were a kid what your answer was. What did you say when people asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Maybe you could put it in the comments right now. Tell everybody what you dreamed of when, when you were a kid that you would be when you become an adult. But then there's this interesting thing that happens, and I don't want you to miss this. Think about this. There's this interesting shift that seems to happen from the childhood question, what do you want to be, to the question that we ask as adults, which is, what do you do? Have you noticed this this shift? That so often we ask children, what do you want to be? But then when, when we meet another adult, often the conversation turns to this. Someone will ask you, so What do you do for a living? Now, now why that difference? Why that change? And I wonder if it has something to do with that as a child, it's about being a fireman or being an astronaut or a teacher or a truck driver. That was the end, right? But then when we become adults, so often our career choice becomes a means to a different end. Because what we want to be as adults often is successful. We want to be financially secure. We want to uh, be important. And often we see our career choices, our work, as a way to accomplish a means to that end. Now, now I know that we all have different ideas about success and, and it can mean different things to different people. But overall, I think there are, are four common goals that our society sort of uh, identifies with success. For some, it means, number one, to own really nice stuff. Having a nice car, having nice clothes, a nice home, maybe a a, a vacation home or, or nice vacations. Just having nice stuff is often what our culture use as as identifiers for success. Number two, to become known for something. 
We live in a culture that celebrates celebrity, being popular, climbing the social ladder, climbing the career ladder, maybe dominating Instagram, maybe your TikTok game is strong. I, I, I don't have a TikTok, but, but you're getting that, thank goodness, right? Maybe it's getting that promotion at work or that academic degree so that when people look at you and they look at your accomplishments, that they look and say, oh, wow, look at that person. For many, that means success. The number three, for many, it's about freedom to do what I want. Maybe it's where I finally get to that point in life where nobody else can tell me what to do. Maybe it's retirement where you don't have to listen to your boss anymore. Or maybe it's starting your own business so that you can be your own boss. Or or getting to the point where you can move to the lake or travel or play golf or whatever it is. Having that kind of freedom is what many identify as Success. And then number four is enjoying your work. You know, finally getting that job that you love, that job that you have been working towards, that's what some people consider success. And maybe for you, maybe it's not all four of these, maybe it's just one or two, but, but our culture tends to use these four things as, as a framework for identifying success. And guess what? Maybe you're expecting me to point to these and say, and these are all really, really bad, so you need to confess and run to the altar right now. But I'm not going to say that because in and of themselves, there's not necessarily anything wrong with these four things. But the problem, listen, where it becomes unhealthy is when one of these things become the driving force in our lives. And so welcome to week three of our series called Six Habits of Healthy People. And we've been talking about uh, relational health and emotional and, and physical and spiritual health. And so in the six weeks of this series, in week one, we talked about how to own your identity, your identity in Christ and, and that week we did uh, special Bible studies all throughout the week at, at noon that are still out there if you want to track those uh, down. They're on my, my personal Facebook page, maybe, maybe in the comments right now on Facebook and on YouTube. Maybe our moderators could, could help people spell my name because it's not necessarily the easiest thing to spell. If you want to look up the Bible studies that we did on that from the book of Ephesians. And then week two, last week Pat talked about how to respect your body. And and with each of these weeks and, and all the weeks of this series, we're doing Wednesday night Facebook Live conversations, questions and answer. We're taking your comments and questions. We're having special guests each week on Wednesday night at 7 Atlantic. This week we had a fitness expert and and uh, and a mental health expert to talk about respecting your body. Today we're going to talk about week three, how to focus your purpose. Next week, week four, stewarding your finances. Week five, valuing your relationships. And week six, guarding your purity. And think about if we were to get these six areas of our life into alignment with God's word, what a difference that would make in our health. 
spiritually, emotionally, physically, and relationally. So today we're going to dig down into week three, how to focus your purpose. And we're going to start today in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes was written by King Solomon. And at this point in history, Solomon is the most intelligent man in the world. He was gorgeous to look at, like a movie star, and he was quite possibly the most wealthy and powerful man. He had his reputation spreading around the world. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, Solomon describes the fruit of all of his labor. Let's read this together. Ecclesiastes 2, beginning in verse 4. He says, I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and, and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to, to water groves of flourishing trees. I, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. And so what is he saying here? He's saying that he reached success goal number one. He had all the money and stuff that anybody could ever want. In the next verse, he says, verse 9, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. So he also reached goal number two. He became powerful and popular, a, a celebrity at the top of his game, known far and wide. Look at the next verse, verse 10. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. So he had goal number three too, right? He had the freedom to do whatever he wanted. He could retire, he could travel, nobody to tell him what to do. Complete freedom. And he even hit goal number four. He says, my heart took delight in all my work and this was the reward for all my labor. And so Solomon even enjoyed his job. He enjoyed his work. He had the sense of accomplishment that comes from a job well done. And, and, and so this has got to be one happy dude, right? Because he has all four of the things that our culture says are necessary for success. But it wasn't enough. Verse 11. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and what I had toiled to achieve. Everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And what a, a moment of disappointment that must have been. When, when he finally became rich, he finally became successful. Number one, he owned all the stuff. Number two, he had the biggest reputation. Number three, he had freedom to do whatever he wanted. Number four, he even liked his own job. And so that sounds about perfect, right? But it wasn't enough. And here's the devastating discovery that Solomon made that day. 
he realized that accomplishing our dreams seldom feels as good as we thought it would. In the book, Halftime, by Bob Buford, one highly successful Harvard-educated businessman said, I was always finding out that beyond the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, there's a sort of emptiness. Leonard Wolf wrote, I see clearly that I have achieved practically nothing. He says, the world today and the history of the human anthill during the past five to seven years would be exactly the same if I had played ping pong instead of sitting on committees and writing books and memoranda. I have, therefore, to make a rather ignominious confession that I have in a long life ground between 150,000 and 200,000 hours of perfectly useless work. Do you ever feel that way about your job? In the Journal of Academic Medicine, Joseph O'Donnell of the Dartmouth Medical School says, while medicine is becoming capable of doing more and more for patients, healthcare professionals are becoming less and less satisfied with their work. And so to dig into this day, today, if success and recognition and owning all the stuff is not enough, then what does the Bible say? And here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to see in the Bible that the answer is to get beyond working for success and to start focusing on significance. Now, now, what is the difference between success and significance? Because sometimes we think they're the same thing, but they're not. And we're going to talk about this today through the lens of work, through our, our careers, or maybe, maybe you're still in school and you're working towards that career that you have in mind. And the reason we're going to look at it through this lens of work is because I wonder sometimes if we don't talk about work enough in the, in the church. After all, our work is where we spend most of the time in our waking hours. Most people spend more time in work than they do spend time with their family, with their kids, with, with their spouse. Most of us spend more time at work more than anything else in our lifetimes. And so how can we make sure that we are investing that time wisely? And, and what is the difference between success and significance. So let me just start with a few verses for you. In Matthew 10, verse 42, Jesus said, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward, the reward for, for helping people in the name of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So this is more than just about work. This is about every area of our lives as Christians. Mark 10, 42 through 45, Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. 
And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so three things we're going to see today. And the first one is in these passages of Scripture. The number one, work becomes significant when others are helped for God's glory. In Matthew 23, verse 11 and 12, Jesus said, The greatest among you will be your servant, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Now, now this is kind of the opposite of how the world functions. Because our world tends to think, the more people who serve you, the more significant you are. But Jesus says that kind of thinking is toxic and unhealthy. That in fact, it's, it's the opposite. Instead of others serving us, making us significant. Jesus said the true and lasting satisfaction comes from instead of being served, actually serving and helping others in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. And so what if we were to start look, looking at our jobs in that way? Every day getting up and saying, how can I use my work today to be a blessing to others for the glory of God? And it's true for any job. Maybe you're a server at a restaurant. And so every day, you could make it your goal that people who come and sit at your tables walk away feeling encouraged and blessed because you were a blessing to them, that you brought some joy and encouragement into their life. Maybe, maybe if you work at an investment firm, that you begin to realize that your job is not just to help people make more money so that you can make more money for yourself, but that your job is, is actually to help people generate income that can be used to be a blessing in this world in the name of Jesus. If you work with computers, maybe you can see how the work that you do every day helps make people's lives better. If you're a lawyer, uh, sorry, I can't help you. There's nothing you can do. No, 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 I'm, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Actually, you can use your skills to help people in their time of crisis. You see, even a job that seems insignificant can become significant when you use it as a way to help others for the glory of God. And so when people are blessed by your work, when people see the quality of your work, that they'll look at you and say, why are you so good at your job? And you can tell them, it's because I do everything with excellence for the glory of my God. Amen? Amen. Okay, number two. My work becomes significant when God's kingdom is resourced through it. When you look at your, your paycheck, do you just see your, your paycheck as a way to, to pay the bills and put food on the table and maybe save up for an annual vacation? Or do you see something more? 
Because all throughout the Bible, we find that whenever money is just focused on self, it is a dead-end street that leads to emptiness. But, but when we begin to see money the way the Bible does, as a spiritual commodity, when we begin to realize that God uses money as a test in our lives to see how much we trust him, to see how we'll obey him, to see how we will help others with what he gives us. You see, this is the spiritual law of giving. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 7, it says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God says, I want you to find joy in being generous. And we're like, well, well how would giving stuff away make me more, more joyful? And here's the answer, verse 11 you will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, and so he says, in other words, and through the money that you give to the ministry of the church, he says, through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. That's significance. And this service that you perform giving is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And so maybe you look at your job and you say, well, what I do doesn't seem that significant. Maybe my job is not that satisfying. But check this out. Through giving, this job can be a conduit of resources for God's purposes in this world. 2 Corinthians 9 says that people who give their lives to Jesus will do two things. That when people come to Christ, they will praise God for the obedience that accompanied your confession. They'll praise God and they will be thankful for your generosity in sharing with them in ways that helped them come to Christ. Folks, that is significance in God's kingdom. And so all of a sudden, that job serving tables, that job crunching numbers as an accountant or growing your business or getting that promotion is not just about making more money for ourselves, but, but so that it can be used for the glory of God and the advancement of his kingdom. And then number three, number three is my work becomes significant when people are pointed to Christ as I work. And so this goal is, is even more focused than number one, which is you know, being a blessing and a help to other people which is important and good. And this goal is even more specific than focusing our, our, on resourcing ministry with our finances. This goal is about seeing your job as a way to have a one-to-one -one impact on the people with whom you work. 
We're talking about a change in focus. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 31 to 33, So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. In other words, it's saying, see your job not primarily just as a way to get money to put food on the table. But to see your job primarily as a way to advance the kingdom of God in this world. The great commission of the Christian life is this. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20. Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so every day, your job is a way to go out into the world and make disciples. And it's true with more than just your work. It's also true with when you're in school. It's true in your neighborhood. It's true on the golf course or, or at the curling club or, or when you're playing hockey. It's true in, in, in your family, in all of your relationships. But here's what's unique about work. Don't miss this. This is so cool. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way. Catch this. What's cool about your job is they actually pay you to spend time with people who need Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? They actually pay you to come to work and spend time with people who need Jesus. And, and for, for many of those people, they have been praying for and just waiting for an invitation from someone like you to be able to invite them to a church like this where they can hear the good news of Jesus that shines in such contrast to the darkness and the emptiness and the hopelessness of the message of this world in contrast to the light and life and hope and purpose that comes in Jesus Christ and his gospel. And so, what is the difference between success and significance? What is the difference between success, which is about usually me and, and my stuff, versus significance, which is about God and others? And here's the difference. So often, success is about building my kingdom. Whereas, significance is about God and others. Significance is about building God's kingdom rather than my kingdom. And so just in closing, I want to give you one more example from the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul is a guy who had it all. He had outward success. He had social recognition. He even had a high religious standing. But when he came 
face to face with Jesus, he realized that he had been chasing after the wrong things in his life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 5 through 8. Paul says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old, having been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. He said, I came from the right kind of family, so I am a real Jew if there ever was one. He says, what's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. And zealous, yes, in fact, I harshly persecuted the church. Before he came to Jesus, he had been the one who was out giving Christians a hard time, putting Christians in prison. He says, and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. I once thought all these things were so very important, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ. What is Paul saying here? He's saying, I was cruising along in my life. He says, and I was going after success and I was accomplishing it. He said, it seemed to be working. I was getting a hold of all of these things that our world says is so very important. But he says, but then all of a sudden, He says, one day, I met Jesus, and I realized that all that stuff that I had been pursuing in my life, in the end, was meaningless. And in verse 8, he says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I have discarded everything else counting it all as garbage so that I may have Christ. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you today as people who have lived so strongly under the influence of this world. Lord, today we see from these amazing examples from the life of Solomon who had it all to the teachings of Jesus who taught a better way and the example of the Apostle Paul who had accomplished all of his worldly goals and found that in the end it was all meaningless, worthless, compared to the riches of knowing Christ and pursuing the purpose of the gospel in this world. And so Lord, I pray for everybody with us today, wherever they might be on their spiritual journey. I pray for for Christians who maybe right now you've been convicting us and, and showing us that maybe there are some ways that we've gotten off focus. This has been such a strange year 
this past year. And some perhaps have lost that focus of what life is actually supposed to be about. Lord, today I just pray that you would communicate the power of the purpose that you have called us to as followers of Jesus. To go out and be ambassadors for Christ. To shine the light of Jesus in this dark and broken world. Lord, we just confess and surrender ourselves to you and invite you to transform us, to make us more like Jesus and to go out tomorrow with a new focus on why we go to work, on why we go to school, on why we go to the places that we go every day. That sometimes we forget the reason that we go where you send us is because every day we are walking out into the mission field with people who need Jesus. And Lord, right now for anybody who's with us today who has not yet made that decision, and maybe they identify with Solomon and identify with Paul today, and they realize you have shown them with stark clarity today that the things that they have been pursuing in their life have amounted to almost nothing. And that today you would be revealing in their hearts. You've been speaking to them in their hearts, opening their eyes to the spiritual truth. And right now, if that's you, wherever you are right now, would you just close your eyes and focus in on what God is saying to you right now? And will you submit and surrender to Him? Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins so that you can have new life and walk in fellowship with God the Father. So right now in your heart, you would confess and say, Lord, I've been living for myself and I found that it all falls short. But I believe today that Jesus died on the cross for me. He took the punishment for sin and disobedience and selfishness, what I deserve. And he stood in my place died for me so that I can be forgiven, so that I can receive new life. And so I commit now to follow you now and for the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing this song together in just a minute. I'm going to come back and, and, and walk you through some next steps. But first, let's make this declaration in our hearts what it's really about.